Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science. Hi, Will. How are you doing? Hello, Gordon. Doing well. Happy to be here. Yeah, you just got back from a camping trip? Yeah, I did a little backcountry trip with a whole bunch of boys and dads. And man, it was a workout. I bet. But it was a high mountain lake, no one there, beautiful creation. Got to do some snorkeling, looking for inverts and aquatic plants. Great. Yeah, it was was really fun. It was pretty cold then, if you were in a mountain lake or or not. A surprise, so a bit further south of here. Oh, okay. So So pleasant, uh, just east of. It was very pleasant. I mean, it was cold, but it wasn't like North Fort Clearwater or something. Okay. Yeah. Great. How about yourself? Out and about any thing lately? Oh, no, not really. Okay. Much. Yeah. Not too long ago, did an outing with a a family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Excellent. That that sounds neat. Yeah. It was a a Logos auction nature hike. So I offered a nature hike with, you know, the Dr. G nature hike. Yeah. And then a family in the church was the high bidder. and That's a neat idea. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, today we are talking about a creational passages in hymns and songs and spiritual songs that got inspiration from them. So kind of key passages mm-hmm. that we really, uh, re- we really uh, enjoy and that, and that really put God's creation, especially living things, but not necessarily living things, on display. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the great hymns of the faith that, uh, that that really comes through in those hymns. Right. Yeah. And so I have a little passage here from Ephesians, and I know there are others here, but it seems like a good one, especially uh, Ephesians 5, focus on verse 19, okay. talking about just speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, mm-hmm. giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Right. So some good rationale for yeah the... The fact for, that these hymns are hymns. here for hymns, all hymns and yeah. all spiritual songs, all psalms, and we're and we're told to we're told to to sing new songs other places in scripture. I don't remember mm-hmm. that passage exactly. Um, and so here we go. We're kind of picking our favorites and yeah, and unpacking both, them a both, little bit. Both scripture and hymns and that reflect that. Yeah, and so I have to admit, off the bat, I'm just I I'm so blessed when there's just rich thoughtful communication in the hymns mm-hmm. uh, about God's creation. And it's wonderful to, to sing that yeah. on Sunday or at home or whenever, mm-hmm. or, to, or to hear that, hear that audio. And um, you can sometimes hear the echo of, of scripture. Where absolutely. That, so, well, it's obvious if it is scripture, you're song, singing a, a psalm. Right. It's scripture and a song, but sometimes you're listening to a hymn and the hymn writer was steeped in scripture. And so you see various verses that are reflected in that. Yeah. So we each have a few, and I think we have a little overlap, but we also have yep. some, uh, some that different ones from each other. So I'm going to just let you jump right in there, sir. Well, I, you know, I was thinking of, I mean, you can do what you want. I was going to start with some uh, scripture. Yeah my scripture passages first and then springboard from there into some of the some of the hymns and psalms that I love. I guess as far as creation goes, it's obvious that 
Genesis 1 is a, a very poignant uh, place to start. And rather than read the whole chapter, just summing it up at the very end in verse chapter 1, verse 31, and God saw, saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. But then if you go back and look at all that he made, he'd made the the plants on day three, made the sea creatures and birds on day five. He made all of the land animals and the and humans, Adam and Eve, on day six. And we sometimes just look at that, but then if if you're interested in life and you look at the the incredible amount of diversity, we just read if you just read that text, you go, okay, he made all of the birds and everything, he made all of the living things, but that doesn't really tell you a whole lot of the diversity. Right. And so if you're uh it says in Psalm another verse, Psalm one eleven, verse two, great are the works of the Lord studied by all who have pleasure in them. Mm. So you you know that God created them by his word, but then to go out and look at the book of nature and see all that his hands have made, mm-hmm. look at the variety. And sometimes it's it's easy to just take all of the diversity for granted. Like, okay, God just made it, but we don't think of God, we don't often think of God as designing it. Mm-hmm. We sort of have this mental image that he popped it into existence like a, a magician, you know, which they didn't create a rabbit, but we sometimes envision it as as God just popping it into existence yeah. without really putting any force. It just popped in, just took its form somehow magically. Right. No, God designed it. God, I mean, instantaneously, but he designed all of the features and attributes and the ecology and the anatomy and physiology from the from the dust up. Yeah. Just and <laughs> and, and he coordinated it with the 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 laws he'd already in, built mm-hmm. into physics and chemistry. Right. And but when we say ex nihilo, that means well, he may have made a lot of that stuff from pre existing matter, but he made the pre existing matter right first. So yeah. He, it is ex nihilo. It's, it's not, ultimately it's ex nihilo. It's from nothing. Everything that we make is from pre-existing matter. Yeah. We're manipulating the matter to make a house or, uh, we take marble and we make a sculpture, but God just made all of the, all of the matter and, and made, uh, a rabbit, uh, yeah. made an insect, made a, um, a deer a bear, um, a palm tree, and he built it with the, with that architecture. And that is wonderful. And I, I see it echoed in John. I'll just, uh, go over to John and then I'll turn it over to you. The first chapter of John, I, I start with this also in, um, the riot in the dance movie where we start off with, um, both Genesis, we're ba- back and forth, Genesis one and John one. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And so we see here the second person of the Trinity, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, all things were made. And 
So that fact alone just shows that when we look at nature in all of its glory, all of its diversity, all of its complexity, we are seeing the handiwork. Uh, we're seeing the wisdom of God. No, that's and good. I just, so those two verses, uh, John 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 31, to sort of cap the whole, the whole chapter 1 of Genesis, is, uh, gives us a foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd lo- uh, two of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And that second one, really, that supports your premise or your statement regarding ex nihilo, but not being magic. Right. right. It's, I mean, it it's is made magic, through it's, Jesus. Yeah. Right. It's not magic like the magician. Right. It's, it's, it's magic as in it's inconceivably impossible for us to completely wrap our heads around and we sure can't do it. Right. Yeah. And so. And um, it's designed by And him. it's designed. It's yeah. designed. I love that. And, and it's, that's a, that's a hard one mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to even think about because our design process, I don't know, it'd be fun to maybe run a thought experiment and think about what God's design process uh, looks yeah, like. Yeah, we have no idea. No idea. Absolutely. You know, we, we just weren't there. Yeah. Cool. One of my favorite passages, uh, creational, creational books, period, is Job. Job yes. is, uh, I, I love the starkness of Job and Job 38. Oh man. You know, where, that is where great. God is just reminding Job who built the universe, ex nihilo. And then mm-hmm. all, and then he, then he unpacks it a bit and talks about a lot of these different uh, phenomena that he's built into nature. And just to, to mm-hmm. touch, to touch on a couple here, Job 38, uh, verses 22 through 30, a couple of my favorite passages in here. And I like to use these when we're talking about the water cycle or we're mm-hmm. talking about, uh, the, the ocean's basins it says this, have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I've reserved for the, for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt mm. to bring rain on a land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man to, sat, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass? Hmm. Has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth, and who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Wow, it's just beautiful. Yeah, that was uh, not that particular, but yeah, I was definitely going to go to Job, and I'll do any verses that you didn't have, but Job is, you know. Th- one of the big lessons that is being taught to Job and to us is why bad things can happen to good people. Right. <laughs> because. So um, the, so the saying know, goes, right? Yeah. God gives the Satan permission to rake Job over the coals. Yeah. And so not only does he have prolonged, intense, emotional, physical suffering due to, you know, just horrible. We, we just have no idea what the excruciating pain Job was in. Yeah. And then add insult to injury. You've got a bunch of friends who come in and say, not only do you have all this physical, all the, all these physical problems, but it's all because you must be in sin. Yeah. And so, and then when Job 
you know, Job uh, still is sort of in ultimately vindicated. He doesn't he doesn't come through it, you know, unscathed, and you know he blows it, and God, you know, kind of like calling the little kid into the principal's office. Yeah, you know, Job gets gets an earful yeah. at the end. But what's interesting about that earful, and you've shared a passage, is that he doesn't he doesn't present Job with this heavy philosophical justification of why he does he did that. Yeah. You know, we're we're wanting God to somehow unpack it in a philosophical way. But we sometimes think, what does all of this nature stuff have to do with allowing Job <laughs> to go through this? And what's interesting is this powerful natural history lesson at the end that God gives. You know, he talks about various creatures. You, not just the creatures, but also these um, physical processes, yeah. the water cycle and stuff like that. But he also just talks and showcases his own creations. Mm. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a mom saying, yeah. you know, as part of a rebuke. Yeah, he's just, I gave birth to you. Yeah, where did you where did yeah. where did you come from? Yeah, you you think you've got it all figured out, but you know why bad things can happen to good people is because I'm God, <laughs> <laughs> and I do you know the gestational period of mountain goats? <laughs> you know, yeah. Do you know, like in later, well, in chapter thirty nine, who? let the wild donkey go free who untied the ropes you know he's just talking about his wild creatures and often people can get too big for their britches about look what how much we've we've harnessed nature and god really gives job a, a natural history lesson on wild creatures some not like he talks about the horse mm -hmm. but then he also you know we know that horses are domesticated but he also talks about the power and the majesty of horses. He talks about the, the lack of wisdom of ostriches. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he even sort of points out the fact that I didn't give the ostrich wisdom. You know, <laughs> sometimes evolutionists will say, you know, oh, this is bad design. Well, God beat him to it. He, he was like, I, on purpose. On God's worst day. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose. I made the ostrich not so clever, but when it comes to speed, you know, forget about it. <laughs> he says, for God did not endow her with wisdom. You know, ostriches are kind of stupid, but yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at the horse and rider, you know, and he, he's building up. That's a beautiful, it, yeah, that's a beautiful image. Just, it is a beautiful image. And, and when he gets to his finale the grand finale is behemoth and leviathan right you know these are what we think of i mean if you the look pinnacle. at a description of these creatures they're probably some kind of dinosaur a behemoth from probably some kind of uh brachiosaurus yep. uh, type huge sauropod yeah and then you've got leviathan which is this seagoing dinosaur that's fire breathing and God is pointing out the fact that these are not domestic. <laughs> right. And God makes a point of that. It's like, you're going to put, put this thing on a leash? 
for your girls, <laughs> Job. No, and it's it, just all it's of a, this stuff is just nature, 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 yeah, and yeah. the power of nature. Yeah. And that's that's a just in itself. This is why I think it's good for us to talk about notes from the field. Is nature, whether it's inanimate, whether it's living nature or non-living nature, it's a humbling thing. Absolutely. It's a humbling thing. It puts us in our place. And that can be joyful. And that's joyful. It's not humbling, embarrassing, cower, it's not, shameful. It's not humiliation. It's no, humbling. It's absolutely. We should glory in the fact that we're puny. The order of the universe is being shown to us and we are way down there. Right. Now we can take, you know, and that's where we see in Psalm 8, God, the, the psalmist is actually saying, you've put all things under our feet. So in one sense, yes, we have dominion. Right. But there's a, a very clear humility that goes with that because he says in the Psalm, Psalm 8, what is man? I mean, you've put all this amazing stuff under us. And then he doesn't so, look at us. We're so big and strong. I and didn't make you dominion keeper. Because you're so. Right. Because you earned it or because you're yeah. so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He basically, the psalmist basically just says, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? So there's this very clear humility um, when he, when he considers the awesome, the awesomeness, yeah. the, the, the depth and breadth of the universe, life, non-life. It's just, it's humbling. And that's inspiration for the Psalms. Yeah, it and is. for the hymns. Yeah. Yeah. Getting in that place. I mean, how much of, how much of the history of art, the inspiration comes directly from nature. Mm -hmm. Tremendous Amen. amount. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm going to start, uh, yeah, talk about, talk it. about a hymn here. And the one that I want to start with is one that maybe it stretches the, maybe it stretches the definition of hymn. And that's not my goal. My goal isn't to try to stretch the definition of him, but it's to, uh, I, it's a, a very modern song mm -hmm. um, written in 2004, but it, it's directly from scripture. And I, I think it praises God in a, a very powerful way. And it's the, it's a song called Indescribable by, the, by David Crowder okay. uh, from 2004. So it played on contemporary Christian radio. Everyone knows David Crowder if you listen to that, that kind of stuff, but uh, it's, it's a really solid a song straight from straight from Job and straight from some Psalms as well, and so and just to sing, I'm not going to sing it. Rather, I'm going to say a little bit of it here. Yeah, not quite confident enough no, to pull that. Yeah, off. we're not going to sing any song. <laughs> All right, we're in agreement. <laughs> and so uh, the the verses go like this: From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, creations revealing your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring. Every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. That's a reference to Psalm 147, verse 4. You are amazing, God, all-powerful, untamable, awestruck. We fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, you are amazing, God. And the next verse, I'll just read a little bit of it here. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go, or seen mm. heavenly storehouses laden with snow? Who imagined the sun and gives source to its light, 
yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night. You see a little bit of the Job there? Yeah, some Job 38 there, some Psalm 147. And, and so, uh, you know, I just kind of get the tingles mm-hmm. when, I, when, I, when, uh, when someone's being biblically faithful in their, in their art. And I think he is, is very much doing that here. Um, and, I, and we can relate to a lot of those, uh, those different things. And to think of them in this context, you know, God's really kind of putting his poetic nature on display in this, in Job 38 to come back to. Mm-hmm. The way he talks about the, the source of the ice and the snow and, and the hail and the rain, um, mm-hmm. it's really in, a, in kind of a beautiful, you know, kind of mysterious uh, sense there. Great. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a, an old, uh, hymn. Let's see. So I don't know how to read the, the credits on this, which, which side is the music, which side is, are the lyrics, but this is my father's world. Yeah. And, uh, I think this is, unless you're going to a only contemporary type church, this is a fairly well-known hymn. And the verse that I wanted to read is, this is my father's world. The birds, their carols raise, the morning light, the lily white, declare their maker's praise. This is my father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. In the, actually, that was the second verse. This is my father world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. Mm. This is Man. my father's world. I rest me in the thought of the rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand, the wonders wrought. So, again, another, another hymn that just uh, points us back to the God of creation. It's very easy for us to get a little too big for our britches when we are bustling about doing good work. And actually doing work that God has prepared for us to do, as it says in, uh, you know, we are God's workmanship pre- created in Christ Jesus to, to do good works. He's prepared them beforehand for us to do. So all the stuff that we do is to his glory, but it's very easy to get consumed with, you know, just have blinders and we're bustling about doing the Lord's work. And it's, it's, in doing so, if you don't have the right focus, it's it's easy to slowly and imperceptibly get too big for your britches, right? Because you see yourself as sort of the center of well your activities, because well you are the, the protagonist. Center. You are the center of your activities. I mean, you're not the center of somebody else's, but it's very easy to get it out of perspective. And so when we when we look at nature. And it gets back to what I was saying earlier, and um, another verse, and I may have mentioned this before, 1 Kings 4.33 is Solomon's Mm. wisdom, where Solomon is describing plant life, the fish, birds, animals, reptiles, and men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. To step back and see the context of our existence. When you're the, the protagonist on stage, it's very easy to just think about all that you're doing. And when we, when we step back and look at nature, we, are, we become a little smaller. Mm. And 
it's kind of like an actor who sits back in the back seat of the auditorium and doesn't ponder his lines and ponder how important he is in the play. He ponders all of the work that went into making the theater <laughs> and the stage and all of the stage crew and all of the people that are making all the people who uh, design the costumes and all the props on the stage. Now, I like it. That, that's a great that, analogy. That, that group of people, that's a bunch of people yeah. that are the supporting staff for this actor. And it's good for an actor to just ponder that because, you know, you can become a diva if you don't. Um, maybe you <laughs> do anyway. Maybe Amen. you look at how important I am of, of all this riffraff, you know. But if you're humble, you'll look at, you know, whatever I'm doing and however important it is would not be possible yeah. if it wasn't for the people who made the theater, made the stage, made the props, made the costumes, did the lighting, did all of that stuff. Yeah. Now, in our stage, God did it all. And it's not fake. It's real. It's right. a real stage. And when we sit back and look at the stage of the whole earth, the whole universe, it's not just the stage on which we act out our play. It's there for our life support. Yeah. Okay. All of creation is our life support system. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the water cycle, the nitrogen cycle, the carbon cycle, all of the big stuff that's sort of abstract and biology textbook stuff, but also just all of the diversity of plants and animals provide us food and shelter and clothing. You know, think about it. Most of our food, shelter, and clothing, I mean, if you have a wood frame house, I guess if it's concrete, you know, but most of it is from living material. Right. And it's our life support. Yeah. And me medicine, the pharmaceuticals. Most of the pharmaceuticals have, are mostly plant-derived. Uh, some are animal-derived, but it's our life support. And it's, we just get back and look, yeah. you know. It's fully integrated. It's multi-purpose beyond our even wildest conception. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And we're just barely in our greatest scientific work. We've, we're just scratching the surf surface. and. As we dig deeper and peel back layer upon layer, we see, oh man, more and more complexity, more and more of God's provision for us in so many ways. Yeah. And so we have artists, we have composers, we have songwriters mm -hmm. with that artistic bent, with that gift to be able to draw out and put this into, into terms that start to capture some of that. Yeah. I love it. Any other psalms or Yeah, hymns? I'll touch on um, this next one here for me is a, a hymn called A Worship the King, All oh, Glorious that's, Above. Yeah, that's great. By Robert Grant, uh, 1833. Uh, just kind of some fun backstory of him. He, he, he was a British guy, lived in India, um, mm -hmm. and his father was a director of the East India Company. Um, and so oh. uh, just some interesting perspective there. He became a governor of Bombay in his age. And he attributed, or it has been attributed to Psalm 104 as inspiration for this. Oh, good. That's my this favorite. Hymn. That's my oh, favorite. Oh, man. I haven't so, gotten it. It's go, so yeah, good. Go ahead. Well, I'll start, and I'm sure you'll, you'll jump right in there. I will say the, the verses here. And of course, you know, as you look at these hymns, I, I like going to this hymnary website, uh, org or something like that. There are multiple versions of a lot of these hymns that are older. Mm -hmm. And 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 certain churches choose to 
take some verses and leave some others yeah, out know, for various certain, reasons. Yeah, certain doctrinal. <laughs> we, we'll take that verse out because it's it's heresy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, you know, like the Francis of Assisi, I think there's a Mother Earth verse that's oh, not in okay. our version for good reason. But uh, so, so this hymn uh, goes like this. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. Oh, gratefully sing his power and his love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. O tell of his might and sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy, space. Mm. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunderclouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Your bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. And I think that's probably a good, mm. a good place to, uh, to stop. Uh, right. I, I think a couple of the things that struck me in reading this hymn a little more carefully, especially verse two and three. Uh, verse two, I just, I love the way that the the hymn writer the poet captures mm -hmm. this idea of the universe being fully the lord's it is his yeah. his the earth his is the robe Lord. is the light yeah the the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof at least uh, yeah yeah amen and whose can and i i haven't thought about this part of the the hymn before i'm willing to uh, stand corrected here but it said whose robe is the light whose canopy space mm -hmm. when you pause there after canopy and, and, and say space, what it sounds like the writer's saying to me is that all of space, like interstellar space, mm -hmm. is the Lord's canopy. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of has more of a universal right. zoom out past our planet and this whole now, space amazing probably, thing. Space probably it, rhymes with what? Um, <laughs> it kind of rhymes with praise well, from the oh, previous line. From the thing. previous line. Yeah. You know, and I know that C.S. Lewis, you know, reading the space trilogy yeah just shows that at ransom when he was flying to malacandra you know he he felt like the whole well i'm not objecting to the the hymn oh go but, go for it but in he's just basically showing that the, it's not just this emptiness he was yeah we have sort of a a stripped down cosmology and he felt like the ancients had a better word for it, which was the heavens. Yeah. Space makes it sound, I mean, in one sense, it's empty in the physical, uh, physicality of it, but it's sort of, it's easy for us to get materialistic in thinking the space is, you know, empty, but we're, we are believers in the supernatural. And so the space, uh, may be filled with other entities that don't, manifest themselves or don't take we that's an interesting we point. take we take on physical form we we uh utilize the periodic table to make our bodies okay <laughs> and everything else asteroids stars and that everything else that's in between them is like well that's empty okay yeah. but is it empty it might be empty of material but it might not be empty of the super material something beyond the physical but anyway that's no, sort that's, of, that's no, sort of a, a, i like that dog, um, dog trail or rabbit trail there i mean lewis that series 
Liz, my wife and I were talking about it earlier today. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's so much clear-headed thinking there. there and is. it's so shockingly so, relevant today. I, extremely relevant. In every sphere. Yeah. I mean, the guy was a prophet. Yeah. Maybe that's was, a bad thing to he say, was but he was a genius He was too. absolutely, yeah. yeah. He was a... He was yeah. tuned into all all of God's uh, creation in a, in a remarkable way. Yeah, so that that uh, that hymn, "A Worship the King, All Glorious yeah, Above," that's, that's a one. great one. Yeah. Oh, I guess we'll probably need to wrap up here. But Psalm one forty eight, uh, "From Heaven, O Praise the Lord." That's one of our church's uh, favorite songs. Um, we sing it regularly. Let's see, verse two: "Yea, let them glorious make Jehovah's matchless name." For when the word he spake, they into being came, and from that place where fixed they be, where fixed they be by his decree, they cannot pass. And then three. I love the cadence of yeah, that. Yeah. From earth, O oh, praise the Lord, ye deeps and all below, wild winds that do his word, ye clouds, fire, hail, and snow. So an echo there of Job again. Ye mountains high, ye cedars tall. Ye cedars tall, beasts great and small, and birds that fly. I just, um, being biologists, both you and I, when we when we hear hymns or psalms that talk about God's glory, the heavens declare His glory. The, all of the beasts declare His glory. You know the the psalm that you said that hymn writer drew inspiration from. Yeah, one hundred four. Uh, one hundred four. My favorite. Verse in 104, there's so much richness there. Verse 24, how many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Mm. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things, both large and small. And it goes on. But he, the wonderful thing about Psalm 104 is that he doesn't just declare God's glory in the domestic crops and the domestic animals. Oh, although he does right. mention that, he says uh, plants for man to cultivate, um, bread, that's, you know, we, we get bread from wheat and all of that is cultivated grain, wine that gladdens the heart, bread that strengthens heart. So all of this is cultivated agriculture. Right, but then he also spends a considerable amount of time talking about creatures that are wild. Again, hearkening back to Job and God showcasing behemoth, leviathan, ostriches. You know, and and the um, psalmist uh, psalmist mentions leviathan, and yeah, he mentions a couple leviathan. verses later here. He does, yeah. But so he he talks about the 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 mountains being for the wild goats and the rock the rocks the crags for the conies or the hyraxes or rock badgers and so it shows you that god delights in wild wild creatures it's yeah. not all to be it's not all to be cultivated right um it says the mountains belong to the wild goats and that's just uh glorious so well, that's a really king interesting david, passage king david you know really understood that there was a, a there was a place for the wild as well as a place for the cultivated. Mm, that's good. You think we can squeeze in one little sure. tiny t last I, tidbit? Yeah, you're in charge. Um, <laughs> you're in charge. I'm not, but I appreciate that. <laughs> and so I'm going to go to Jesus shall reign where air the sun, Isaac Watts, 1806. And the ref, the, it's attributed to Psalm 72, though the verse I'm most 
inspired by, encouraged by, isn't in Psalm 72. It's this last verse um, where, uh, let every creature rise and bring peculiar honors to their king. Mm. I just, every time I hear that, <laughs> That's great. I just, I just can't help it. I just get so joyful right. because I think when I hear the word peculiar used in that way, like the original meaning of the word queer or strange or odd, it's just such a beautiful word to describe how varied mm-hmm. and how wild say, and say weird. The whole line again. Um, let every creature rise and bring peculiar honors to yeah. their king. Yeah, that's great. And there's no there's no scriptural passage that I've found that says that exact thing. But right. I think that it points to a lot of places in scripture where God talks about the plants praising Him. You oh know, yeah, the trees clapping the, their hands, clapping their hands, the rivers. Uh, the same thing and peculiar honors to, ah, they're, they're unique. They're uniquely capable of bringing that honor. We can, we can, yes, they are. I could see the thing that just comes to mind in, in that is when we see various creatures that we think are just dumb beasts and, uh, we don't know how they'll be in the, the redemptive state, but, you know, I could just see a little hedgehog just coming up <laughs> to he, bestow he honors. pops to my mind too a little hedgehog in his own peculiar way brings honor to the king yeah uh, yeah it's uh whatever it is whatever it is whatever it is and so one of the things i was blessed years ago i was a residence assistant in a college dorm and the guy who was in charge was a christian one day he handed me a stack of papers and he printed off every single reference to every bird in the bible he just knew i loved birds and he knew I was searching for truth in the Lord, and so he handed that to me. And hmm. and this so, is before you were. Well, I don't know exactly when I was saved. It's, okay, it's a long, it's a long. Okay, you know, but uh, you were. But you know, you were. Ser- I was searching, searching and 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 read the Bible and went to church and and uh, all that all that stuff, um, though thoroughly unrepentant, uh, for many for many things. But the bird that I think of most regularly when I think of you know peculiar and and the, is the hoopoe. Mm. Is of all creatures that could be mentioned, the hoopoe is mentioned, which yes. is this weird, almost shorebird-looking bird of of did North I, Africa and even into Europe. You did saw I talk, one? I did. Oh, you're killing me! I did. Oh man, we were yeah. Just last September, we you know we were in Kenya and doing this safari for Ride in the Dance Three, oh. and we were driving through um, the the jungle up at the 6,000 feet in central Kenya. Oof. And um, we saw a hoopoe. Oh, that's so awesome. It was a fleeting glimpse, but yeah. we saw it and, and it was so great. They're mentioned in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14. As, as an unclean as an bird. Unclean bird. But it's a really cool looking bird. Yeah. And we know that that bird, even though considered unclean for our consumption, it certainly brought some peculiar honors yes. to its king. Yeah, it did. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks brother. It's great. Talking to you, Will. Yeah. As always. As always. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N-O-E-O science.com.